So I was originally had a direction tonight. Um, I'm going to change it. Um, because I guess I can do that. <laughs> um, because of something that I encountered um, that which I'll tell you about as we, as we go along, it really relates back to what we've been going through in John 4. Um, and it's just this whole area of what we've been talking about as we've been going through John is is how do we speak? I mean, that's, that's sort of our goal. That's really from Second Corinthians two seventeen. Is how do we learn to be men of integrity who speak in Christ, who are able to share in all different situations Jesus with others, not just from an evangelism perspective, but just speaking the word, speaking speaking Christ to others, um, as Paul says in Second Corinthians um, two seventeen, and so. You know, as part of that, one of the things we're seeing here is in John 4, we're seeing how Jesus is giving us some real-time examples of how he does that, all right? How does he actually go about encountering others? Um, and we've been talking around that. Uh, what I'd like to do tonight, um, well, I want to start out by just really asking us, and I will say because I struggle with this, um, and I was convicted in the last day about how much I do struggle with this. I mean, I struggle with how do we share Jesus with others? I mean, how do we do that in this world? Not like it's any maybe harder today than it was even 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. It's always a challenge. Well, it but sounds like he used that? a very unusual approach. Well, he, yeah, he did. And I wonder, though, as we go through this, um, whether what his unusual approach is maybe more should be what our exactly. approach should be. That's what I'm You know, saying. as opposed to, here, let me give you the four spiritual laws and, you know, some of the different ways that we've done it. But I've always, I was raised, at, raised I wasn't raised Christian, but as a, as a new Christian, um, it's sort of the irony because on one hand, when you become a new Christian, I definitely notice it. Wow, it's like really easy to share. You don't even think about it. You just tell people about Jesus. <laughs> uh, but as you start trying to get into these times where you're, you know, I was part of the Billy Graham Crusades, and I actually was part of their training and stuff. You know, you have these different procedures and these ways in which you do things. But sometimes it can become very, um, it, it actually can become harder about how to do that. So I'm wondering when you're when we're thinking about it, we're going to go in and take a look at this today tonight. When you guys think about the challenges that we face, as far as your own personal challenges of how do I share my faith, I just be interested in hearing what are your challenges with that? What what are the things that make it hard that you find that you whatever it may be that you feel like you get stuck with that? Um, or you have a hard time expressing that, or whatever it may be. But what, what do you, for you guys individually, what is it that, that causes you to just, like, go, hmm, <laughs> I'm challenged by that in doing that? <clears throat> so just anybody, just curious what, uh, yeah, Jason. <clears throat> for me, I find that if, if I'm not, really practicing my own submission, right, all day, mm-hmm. then um, I'm just not in that flow, you know. And then, and, and I think as as my relationship with Christ goes, goes my relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. 
So if I'm not checked in, if I'm not in that practice modality, then um, then it can be more challenging, and or the opportunities just don't present themselves. When I am, they present themselves all day long, and there's no issue at all. I don't even suddenly I'm talking about Jesus. I don't even know That's how we got there. Very good point. You know, it's like. I honestly have to like really think to backtrack to how do we get to talk about Jesus for an hour and a half? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so. Yeah, okay. Hour Good. and a half. Yeah. Well, okay, that might be a push. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Eric, you were going to. Um, what I found was in reading this book, it was really important to me. I think I gave you a copy of Finding Sanctuary. <clears throat> One of the mantras of uh, Benedictine monks is earnestly pursuing obedience to one another. No one is to pursue what they judge better for themselves, but what they judge better for someone else instead. And I thought, I can do that. But what I found was, it's not easy. It's really, really, really hard. So I started to practice it. And the way I practice it is... When someone's talking, I'm trying to really understand what they're saying and have empathy for what they're saying rather than spending all my time on responding to what they're saying and what's coming back from me. And so getting me out of the way and showing interest in them, all of a sudden doors open that that don't normally open because they can see that you're genuinely concerned with them, yeah. and what, ha- and then, like Jason said, things just start to happen because you're not a threat. Number one, I'm not trying to sell them anything, <laughs> which is what all of us are avoiding today, especially uh-huh. when the mail comes with every politician wanting mon- money from you. But it's, um, it, it's what I found is making myself available in circumstances when I sense a need. And just stopping and listening and, and, and then supporting where they're at. And that opens all the doors. That is it. That is it. They're interested in hearing the word. Mm-hmm. So well, aren't yeah. interested yeah. in hearing it. Mm-hmm. And what'll happen is it'll just happen. Yeah. I got a conversation one night with a lady at a dinner party. They call everything a fairy tale. You believe that fairy tale? You know, and I said, you know, you can believe what you want to believe, you know, but I believe that you need to have respect for the individual. You need to have respect for what I believe, you know, and I'll respect what you believe, but this is what I believe. And for you to say that it's a fairy tale is disrespect to me. Wow. And it, it, it would not have done me any good to quote any Bible scripture. And she, she brought up uh, Adam and Eve and the rib and all that stuff. Do you believe that? You believe you get rose from the dead? You know, how do you answer those questions? You know, you just you just stop and just cease and get it back to the basis of respect for what someone believes. Now, if you see a need, the person is interested. It's a different story. Mm-hmm. So, I was really frustrated that night. Did um, how did she? How did that start? I mean, did you? Some time did she it's, learn you were a Christian or did something happen? It was a dinner party and there were six people at the table and, and um, I offered grace. And um, 
started that way because some of the things I've said. Mm-hmm. And then she had a glass of wine and she said, <laughs> do you really believe all that stuff you said? <laughs> and then she said a fairy tale. Uh-huh. You believe that fairy tale. Yeah. So she thinks well, it's you, a fairy tale. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Her husband, yeah. by the way, was right. sitting over, he didn't say a word. He just, and she's yeah. a domineering person. He's probably going. He learned a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't have a conversation. It's, yeah. it's learned behavior. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the stories I love um, is with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, because J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien, who was a who was a real faithful Christian, yeah. and C.S. Lewis was not. And as those two got together and got to know each other, mm-hmm. um, and started sharing and started, you know, having these meetings and stuff, um, C.S. Lewis' yeah. response was to J.R.R. Tolkien constantly was, you know, all this stuff we're doing is all myth. Okay, it's all myths. Yeah. And Christian Christianity is a myth, and what happened back then is a myth, <clears throat> just like, all these other Greek gods and everything C.S. Lewis just looked and said, these are all myths, these are all stories man makes up to explain things. And as they continue to have these conversations more and more, the conversion experience for C.S. Lewis, and he actually writes this in a letter to J.R. Tolkien, um, the conversion experience was C.S. Lewis, his like, his like, his life went on in the in the uh, and so you think fairy tale, same thing, myth fairy tale, yeah. okay. But what happened with C.S. Lewis is all of a sudden he realized and God sort of opened his eyes and said, They are all myths, including Christianity. The difference is that Christianity is a true myth. It is the one and only true you could almost say fairy tale. It is the only true myth. Do you have reference to that documentation? Um, I can probably find it. Because I, I used one. to teach it. I actually had a book. I don't know if I had the main words. It's in the letters of Gerald Tolkien yeah. to C.S. Lewis. It was actually a book. How he went through that and how he converted. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'll remind you. I'll try to find okay. that phrase. I used to um, teach that in the Bay Area. And so it's just fascinating because it's like, it's not myth technically doesn't necessarily mean true or false. Yeah. Okay, it's true. really like a story. But his realization is all these other ones are made up, but Christianity is the one that is only, is really true, really yeah. happened. And I just thought that was fascinating. Um, if, if I could have offered her some <clears throat> proof other than the written word that he has risen, mm-hmm. he performed all these miracles, I think it would have been a different story. So, so can I offer something? So Justin, the, um, the guy that showed up last week, that's a friend of mine. Um, I think the reason that he showed up was we had a conversation um, a month and a half or so ago. And he uh, he's really into, you know, you know, spirituality. He really wants to just, you know, be able to be in the world and, you know, peace, love, gratitude, you know, blessings to you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, but what's that founded in? Dude, it's founded in the universe. It's founded in, you know, I mean, it's it's in, it's in, you know, it's in Jesus, it's in Buddha, it's in, blah, blah, you know, it's, and I take it all and lump it into one beautiful thing. And it's like, how can you say that this is worse than, better than this and that and the other thing? And I said, well, because 
None of those are true. And he said, oh, come on, dude, you have to have respect for other people's beliefs and so forth and everything. I said, I have respect for you. I have respect for people, but I don't necessarily have respect for their beliefs. He's like, well, I respect your beliefs, so why shouldn't you respect my beliefs? I go, I don't care if you respect my beliefs. The truth doesn't care whether respect you respect it or not. Respect for the individual is well, basically core value. Yeah, that's but, the core but, value. But at the same core thing, value. yeah, but, but because somebody says what you believe is a fairy yeah. tale, that doesn't mean that they're disrespecting you, right? And no. it's, they're opening the door for conversation. Well, that's fine. You can believe that about what I believe. Yeah. Right? And, and that is what hooked him. Just the idea that I don't care. Well, one thing I, it doesn't matter. I don't yeah. need your respect. One thing that a non-Christian will say is that Christians live a better, holy life, more integrity, and more directed, as opposed to being centric and self inside about what's good for me. Unless they're married, I'm and sorry? they divorce at the same rate. I'm sorry? <laughs> Unless the Christian is married, then they divorce at the same rate as mothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yes. that's, you know, I mean, that's the hope, though, is yeah, that that's, that's what we should, yeah. we should be doing. All right, others, um, what about your ch- challenges and really for yourself and just sharing your faith? I think for me, if, like, it's a, if I'm trying to share with someone that I haven't been reading scripture regularly, I tried to share someone a few months ago, and it just happened to be like I had this crazy morning, and really didn't like I didn't read any scripture that morning. Um, going to share with this person, like I just happened to be sharing with this person. It's just difficult. It's like it's not that I can't articulate who Jesus is, but it's way easier, and it just comes to me. And I, um, I like already spent that time with Jesus, and I, I feel that to me like i just realized, like, over the last, I don't know, couple months, that, like, whenever I get stuck when I'm sharing, I just, I literally start quoting scripture. And I, I found that that's way more productive in conversations yeah. than anything I've ever done. Like, I was talking with this Mormon girl when I was on the plane um, to go see my mom a few weeks ago. And she starts talking to me about the book of Moroni, this and that, and all this stuff. And it was, she was a really friendly person. Like, I started quoting her all these scriptures out of John and showing it to her. And she was, like, she was super interested. She started to write it all down. Um... So, yeah, I felt like it really showed me, like, I, I need to be reading if I'm going to be sharing, like, effectively. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Yep. And you will know the, the truth. truth. And the truth will send you the truth breaks that you free. Yeah. It's like Jeff is going through that abiding verse right now, John 1, not that one, but the one that then comes in John 15. And what I love about that is... And get this easily is Jesus talks about the abiding. He abide in me, abide in you. Then he talks about the vine, the branches, and being broken off. But then he, then he transitions a bunch of little different transitions to that passage. And one of the transitions, the next one is, okay, well, how do you abide in me? Because that'd be the question. Well, how do you abide? And the very first thing he says is, you abide in me by abiding in my word. And that, I mean, that's what all of you are saying. And the translation of that is to, to live in. Yeah. <laughs> Remain in. Remain in. in, yes. Continue in, yeah. Mm-hmm. How about others? Um, what is your... I think the point that Jeff made Sunday about a uh, sense of purpose mm-hmm. and tying that to your core values. 
is a way that you can develop your life so that you do have an encounter with a non-Christian, you're prepared to talk about that. Hopefully they know that about you, your characteristics about you. So then you, you become more believable. Mm-hmm. Whether it's quoting a scripture or whether it's... And I just quote it off the top of your head, you actually... Yeah, the way you really, live or yeah. whatever it is. No, yeah. But, but I don't believe there's any one set way or process. It's not, there's no Betty Crocker right. that you can sit down and say, this is what you say to a non-Christian. It's, it would be nice if it were. Well, I think that's what's fascinating is, is that's what we get to see in John. Yeah. Is that Jesus himself doesn't have one way. He's doing this all these different ways. There's commonality of some of them, but I mean, he's individually like, you know, we look at the Samaritan woman, then the next one after, you know, we look at Nicodemus. Yeah. And we looked at, you know, then the one after this is about the office, you know, him beating the, um, the, um, the officer whose son is sent in, you know, so that's yeah, the, but the difference between us and Jesus is, he could do it. Yeah. You know? What do you mean? He told, he told the Samaritan woman, I know all about you already. Yeah. You know? That's that's pretty uh, we can't good that. good thoughts. And then mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the royal guy that uh, healed his son. Mm-hmm. That's evidence. Right. That those guys can say he is the one. Mm-hmm. If I walk up to somebody and say, you have a sick child, home, I, I can't <laughs> do that. But you, but you can share what you know about yeah. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. You can and you that. can also share about human nature yeah. and what we exactly. know about. I mean, each of us have stuff in our heart that, yeah. that we, yeah. So, all right, others, uh, any, what other? Honest well, myself would, um, uh, again, kind of my own personal testimony. You guys probably already heard it, but I know when my father died, very unexpected, we was on vacation, and I was, how old was I? 27, 26. And I was experimenting with all kinds of things. Was, you know, Zen Buddhism, you name it. I was raised as a Christian. But I remember my uncle telling me, and I was really in tears because my dad and I were very close. And I just was talking to Uncle Earl, and he said, Well, Bill, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And Oops. I remember those words. You know, and I, I didn't have an answer for that. And I said, oh, but it's put a seed there. Uh-huh. And then it was shortly after that, and again, I'm probably repeating myself. I do that. I'm 71 now. Um, <laughs> I started a lot sooner than you did. Yeah, I don't think there's an age <laughs> yeah. of that. No, I think it's not that big a deal, really. Yeah. But this dream I had a few days after when I was home, it was after the funeral and everything, and I remember my dad was in the dream, and it was so real. Mm. He was lit up. And I was crying in the dream. I mean, I get emotional just thinking about it. And um, I said, God damn, will I ever see you again? I want, you know, and his only words was, if you believe you will, you will. And if you don't, you won't. And boom, that hit me. It just, believe. You know, and that, that started it. That's what got me going back towards Christ. Because I think um, the more I read the Bible, there's no way that could be made up. I'm sorry. It's just too damn good. It really is. Everything through it. The Old Testament, it's just so tied together. And it just it maps out that thread of Christ so perfectly. No one could do that. Not with all these authors over all that time. That's a good point. And I used to have this belief that, well, it's the long universe thing, right? Okay, well, one day was a billion years or whatever. You know what? I don't believe that anymore. 
I believe exactly what the Bible said. I think God created everything in one day. It's just the, you know. Greg brought up the other day, which is, I, I have, te- I train teenagers. Yeah, I know, that's awesome. Right? And so, and, and, Both it, you guys. and it, and it, and those things come up. Yeah. Well, how is it even possible? The Adam and Eve thing and the, and the, and the water to wine and, come on, I don't believe it. Right? Really? You, you don't believe that, do you? Well, yeah, I do. Well, yeah, well, why? Science. Yeah, yeah. And it's so cool. Like, the more we understand science, the more the Bible proves out. Yeah. It's like, well, gee, turns out there was no Big Bang. Yeah. Gee, how weird. I think one good rebut to people, because I've got a brother-in-law who's a devout atheist. It takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. <laughs> and you know, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 does. And he goes, oh, you're one of those. It's just, uh, and I just asked a question to him. I said, well, what do you believe? Nothing. You, you, you live on this earth, you die, and that's it. And I said, well, good luck with that one. You know, and I, I, I don't even, sometimes you don't, I think it's better almost not to get into the debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just kind of like, you throw out what you believe, short and sweet and to the point. Yeah. Monica um, Prada came up to me, I didn't do the Sodas this last year, but the year before. Huh. And for some reason, she came down and sat in my booth next to me. And she came up, and I was, I was definitely in the spirit that summer. It just, everything was going so well. Mm. And she said, Bill, what's with you lately? You know, you, you, you see, you, I'm going, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, you seem like really happy. I mean, you're doing really well in business, right? I said, well, it's that, but, you know, it's like I've got this spiritual thing with Christ and, and this church right now that's really... It's really set me straight, you know, and it, it makes, it's kind of wiped out a whole bunch of other stuff out of the way. And uh, she just kind of looked at me. She didn't say much. As a matter of fact, we talked a little bit more about sauce than she left, and I said, well, that went well. <laughs> no, I don't. But, but it, it was just, I was honest at the moment. Yeah. That was your, your opportunity to place that one seed. That yeah. one seed may have taken and yeah. come back later. Yeah. That's right. My son is is not much of a believer, and I'm working on him. But again, I just drop little nuggets in once in a while, wherever I can. Like your dad did for you. Yeah, you know, I'll quote the Bible. But quoting scripture is huge. You're right. We should all should memorize scripture. I'm thinking about myself getting some three by five cards and just going through all my favorite fiber patches, put them down, and I'm going to commit them to memory so that I, you know when something comes up, you can go well. You know what the Bible says. I mean, I kind of know some of that stuff now, but I'd like to be able to quote it, mm-hmm. you know, in whatever translation. Yeah. You know. So. But you have to convince them first that the Bible is actual documentation of what happened. A lot of people don't believe that. Well, the, you know, you go back to the Word, and that's God talking yeah. to us. Yeah. You know, and that's, we sink ourselves into the Word, yeah. and then you pray, and then, like you said, from there, it has to go out. you got to disciple and mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about, right? right. How do you do exactly. that without being, oh, you're one of those, oh, brother? Let well, and even if you get one of those, it's just still yeah. one of the things that are stopping you from doing. My that. answer is, you yeah, I'm one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Um, well, the other Jeff's uh-huh. talk was on abiding, and that's what helps us being here, mm-hmm. um, or being at church, or being wherever we are. It's just. Encouraging one another to yeah. stay there and abide. Yeah. Uh, I I had a truly remarkable uh, pair of parents. Uh, 
Tom asked me, didn't you? Didn't you ever have this moment of rebellion? Rebellion. And I said, no. <laughs> he looked at me like I'd have a second head over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never? I went, no. I, I didn't. I, I was... Um, I grew up uh, with a group of guys that my dad took camping and fishing and hiking and into the Sierras and to Utah and Mexico. And uh, <clears throat> so he, he was not one of the guys. He was definitely dad, but he was dad to a whole bunch of my buddies. And... Uh, we were hiking out of the Sierras. We'd been in for 10 days. And the car was only four hours down the trail. And we got up in the rain in the morning and had been hiking all day in the rain. Hmm. And we were whooped. And everybody just wanted to go to the car. And my dad had gone over and sat down, which I only found out like 30 years later. But the reason my dad would walk away from the group and sit down is he was taking nitroglycerin pills. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he would, here he was. I didn't know any of this. Huh. Or way out in the middle of nowhere. And he's taking nitroglycerin pills. Wow. Well, he comes back and he said, I thought you were going to fix dinner. And... One of the other guys that was the, sort of the main guy. He said, we've all decided that we're going to hike down. And Dad said, we're supposed to camp here tonight. And, then, and he went over and sat down. And everybody started putting their packs back on. And my dad said, I thought we were going to stay here. And they all said, no. And my dad said, oh, shit. And walked over and in. Five minutes. Dinner was cooked. The tents were all up. You know, that's just... <laughs> if my dad said something like that, everybody knew something was way wrong. So, you know, I just... That's what I grew up with. I learned to trust him. <laughs> in so many different ways, in so many different situations. That I... If any one of you tells me something about yourself, I actually believe it. Uh, Jeff said one of his goals of life is to be able to present himself in an authentic way. I never think of that. Mm -hmm. I never think of trying to be authentic. Yeah, that's one of his core values, he said. Yeah. 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 Either I don't think of that. Not. You just are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think of being deceitful, I guess yeah. is another way. Of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh. And your friends know that. Yeah, they do. So it's, uh. It's easy for me to believe the Bible, you know. Uh, the reason I wasn't here last Tuesday is my mother-in-law died in the afternoon. And, uh. Mm -hmm. She was 101. Wow. <laughs> so she had a, she had a great run. Yeah. So it's it a great run. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was just like you were sort of 
You had the catcher's mitt on already. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we knew it was coming. She had been on hospice for three days. So, people keep telling me or remarking to me, you know, how do you feel and how are you dealing with this? And actually, it's sort of a, it's a time of not jubilation in a way of happiness, but it's a satisfaction or uh, life well lived. Well lived. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. well lived. Like your like gizmo. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I I'm, I'm, haven't been fearful. I, I haven't been sorrow. I can just deal with it because I really believe all this stuff. I really believe that she left and she's in heaven. I believe that. So it's not this super sad moment for me. I've had the joy of learning who she was and then living with her for 60 years and then 68 years and then her dying. And, it, you know, so it's, uh, I feel the same way about my Christian testimony. When people question me, I'm not into convincing them. Thomas didn't believe. He had to touch something before he would believe. But the others didn't. The others, they saw it, they believed, and so there they go. But uh, I just find it easy to live and to buy those principles. And Jeff said, his cousin said to him, you're a good man. And he felt that that justified Jeff felt that he was justified in the way he was treating people. And uh, I had a student once. He said, I like you. I like your class. He said, I like you. I said, fine. He says, because you treat me like an adult. And I think that's what Jeff was getting to, is that he treated people in a way that he thought he needed, the way he needed to be able to treat them. And that there are people out there that actually um, tell him that what he's doing is the right thing to do. And that's what I felt this kid did for yeah. me. So I, I don't try to, to prove to people that Christianity is right. I just go, you know, if, if you don't believe, you know. I don't understand why they can't believe. <laughs> That's where I'm coming from. That's the point I was making a while ago. Respect for the individual. They respect you. They respect your beliefs. And if you believe, maybe it's true. Actually, my wife's ring. Well, the, you see the authenticity, I think. Yeah. So anyway. Transformation. Yeah, good. All right. The thing, well, let's, um, the thing I just yeah, said uh-huh. on Sunday, and I've been thinking about it all week, and I think we probably ought to think about it, is do your core values match your sense of purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, where are your core values? I went away thinking, well, what are my core values? <laughs> I didn't really think about what my core values are. I think that is what you're talking about. You have core values that are evident to people around you. Therefore, you're believable. Yeah, well, we could be talking like this in, in a Scientology class and be saying the same thing. You could. Core values uh, are worth meaningless. Core values. Meaningless. 
Well, actually purpose. destructive because you might be leading people astray. You might be a really tall, dark, and handsome, wise man who's leading a bunch of kids down the primrose path to hell. you got great values, and they respect you, but there's no Jesus. Because of the concept of yeah. being I'm, relative. I'm just speaking Everybody. really gnarly hardball. I mean, yeah. it's, great. it's great that some guy's not a Christian and he has good moral values. And I mean, look at, yeah. you know. Well, it, it's, that's true. I mean, there are people that are non-Christian. They have core the values. America's been built sure. by a, a lot purpose. of men like that. And they may be but, different from a Christian person. Right, right. Well, what you're, what you're getting at is, again, the difference that the world perceives as, as core values and what right. God perceives as core right. values. Right. The, the biblical view. Right. But again, abide in my my word. So that's, uh, that's all day, every day. Yeah. Right, yeah, I guess I'd say there, I want to go to the scripture, so, but no, I will. Abide in me. That's, that's the thing that I think I've come to for myself, like, in talking to people, whatever. The, the issue is not about are you doing good or are you not? That's not what saves you. That's not what is going to get you to heaven or not. It's not based on your core values. It's not based, what it's based on is are you abiding in Christ? Yeah. He is the one who gives us eternal life. It is the relationship with Him. He's it's not about Him. I following, doing this, 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 this. It's a living relationship. Yeah. Once we yeah. start doing that, I think that's a perfect. Uh, <laughs> the alarm should start going off. Hey, yeah. this is getting challenging, right? This is so easy. It's just insane. Like Dale said, I understand. I can't believe. I mean, it's just like. Wow, this is so silly easy. I mean, it's not to believe. It's the challenge is breaking loose of the world, right? And and that's why we have to be disciples and not just, you know, listeners. Right. So if if you follow, if you're a relative, if you believe that, everybody's got their own way of doing things. You know, and just because you don't like my way, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. But Christ is saying, you don't get a choice to pick out of the world. You need to come, focus on me, I'll direct you, and give you directions. Right. That's it. That's it. That's nailing nailing what abide is. Right. I'll tell you what your core values are. (laughs) And if we abide, then we are going to encounter the people he wants us to. We're going to say the right things to the people mm-hmm. he wants us to. We don't consciously work it up. Yeah. And if we do, then it gets to that authentic problem. Right. If you're working it up, God's like, did I tell you to say that? Or, you know? yeah. <laughs> and if I may just uh-huh. tweak what the guys are saying about witnessing, and I'm really lousy at it, I'll say. But what I do, I kind of, you know me in here, I'm pretty blunt, and, and I think that works mm-hmm. with most everyone in our culture, because they've been steeped in the, in post-Christian culture. They know about us, and they know what they think they believe we believe. They're wrong, but they know, they, they have on it. You've got to puncture this. You've got to puncture this bubble that they're in, and you can't do it by being, sorry, I don't think you can do it by being nice. You can't no, do it by no. talking to them in, in a circular way. Like, they know that you're schmoozing them. They know that you're trying to work up some. You know, just hit them with a truth bomb and you're done, you know? And they will remember you, I think, for the rest of their life because how many truth bombs have they had in their life? Mm-hmm. If they're not in a Christian family or something or a friend, very few. And what they might come back to you like the, like the kids come back to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've had, 
know, I've had people come back to me too, five years later, because they knew from Truth Bomb and ten years ago where I was coming from. So, what is the, what is the Truth Bomb? Scripture, um, uh, or or just somebody saying, "Well, do you believe in that nonsense?" You say, "Absolutely, it's it's Scripture. So it's inspired okay. by That's God." Okay. And 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 uh, my. I believe with all my heart, yeah. and if you threaten me with death right now, I die for it. You're done, and you've hit him hard. Yeah. If you um, say those words like that, yeah. you have the respect that you have, then it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't have respect. No, no, you didn't talk about it. He did. <laughs> well, right. I'm sure you've got. Like it. I'm sure so you've got I want to think. I want us to think about just this conversation we just had, and I want us to just read through chapter four very specifically to look to see how Jesus is doing some of these things and just know that we've gone through four but I want to walk through it sort of intentionally with seeing some of these things you guys talked about. What is Jesus doing as he approaches the Samaritan woman? Um, and so, let's just start at four and I'm just, we're going to literally go through verse by verse here and I just want to pick up on some things that go along especially with some of the things we just said. So Chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, I love the parentheses, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And we talked about this verse, verse 4. It's easy to read over. And he had to pass through Samaria. So, we see right there that Jesus says, that had is a Greek word that says, he had to do it. He was guided to go and do what he was doing. He had an intention behind it. His father had an intention behind it. And this says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's will was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus had to be doing what he's doing. I mean, he's guided by that. But what is he doing here? I mean, so we, we, we know where this is going to go, but by just sitting there where he chooses to sit, what is he doing? He's, himself. he's, he's forcing an encounter. R- right. right. He's, he's, right. What are you going to say? He's putting himself in a place where he's going to talk to people. People are going to come to the well. Exactly. All right. He's putting himself in a situation where he can encounter people. Mm-hmm. I think that right there is so key. Um, I was I'm trying to get. I was. I just had a conversation about two hours ago. You guys remember Bonnie Johnson? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Bonnie just called me today, and um, I. Some of you guys have heard me say this before, maybe, but I mean, I'm sitting here right now because of her. I'm sitting in this chair right now with you guys because of Bonnie, Marcia, and Robin. Three women who prayed for me just unceasingly when I started just coming to the church and said things to me that I'm going, yeah, what, whatever, I don't believe you. (laughs) And just really, I mean, I can't even tell you what those three women have done in their prayer life for me and what they've done speaking hard things to me and speaking encouraging things to me. But they made themselves available. <laughs> and they were always like, they, they didn't wait for me to come to them, they came to me. <laughs> um, this started out very, very early on. But anyway, I was talking to Bonnie, and, you know, you guys can pray for her because she's, you know, now 
in a situation, you know, she lives here in Laguna Beach. She has her house still, but someone rents it out. And, you know, she's living with her son in this, like, side house, and the son and his wife. And she pretty much just is in that house, little house, um, 24 hours a day, and never getting out. And she just feels like, what's my purpose? And so we talked for a while. It was just a neat conversation, and I was trying to... I was thinking, like, wow, you've done this for me. I want to encourage you. Get out. Get to a plan. I told her about this John 4. I just was reading it before our study, and I said... Is she capable get, of getting out? Of well, she is, and she had a hip operation, and but she is. She's able to drive still. She's oh. 83 years old. She has the driver's license still. Um, she's got some reservations and going and doing it, but it's like she can. I said, just, it doesn't no. matter, Bonnie. You have a gift of sharing your faith with others. Get out, go to the grocery store, just be with people, make yourself available. And God will show you his purpose to it. His purpose is not for you to be sitting there 24 hours a day. It's get out and be with people. So she's here, not back no, east. No, no, she's back east. Oh, oh she yeah, is she's back east. east. Oh, yeah, okay. and she's just sort of stuck. Yeah. You know? She used to live uh, at Brooks and Catalina. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you see that with Jesus here. You see that he intentionally places himself in a situation. Um, so something I want to share as we go through this is this happened to me yesterday, is that um, I had not been to lunch with Marcia for a long time. We go to lunch once every six months or something. You know, she had been in New York and everything, and I had not connected with her for a while. So I said, Marcia, let's go to lunch. And so I said, where do you want to go? <laughs> you know, so we decided to go down the lumber yard um, to have lunch. So when we, in doing that, you know, we heard without intentionally thinking of this at all, we placed ourselves in a restaurant. There's people around. All right. Um, so I think this is, it sounds so obvious, but it's like, are we in a place where we can actually have meet people? <laughs> and that's what Jesus is doing. He's meeting people. Here. Um, and so then he says in um, verse 7, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So what happens here? And I think this is, this is a key to how do we engage people? Um, to talk about Christ or even have that opportunity. Can I, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> yeah, right. So what is, what is, but think about what Jesus is doing here. He is not coming right out and saying, I'm Christ. <laughs> you know? no. What does he do first? Think, think about it. He makes sure. contact. Well, he makes contact, right. But how does he make contact? Will you give me a drink? What does that do? do? For him. He what does it do? Gives her a chance to do something for him. Right, you guys hear that? It takes down the cultural barrier. Well, it takes down the cultural barrier, true. But it does that because what is he doing? She's got to respond. He's initiating the conversation. Right. right. He's initiating the conversation, but he's doing that by not just talking. He's doing that by asking her for help. Right. Okay. He's, He's putting himself in a situation... He says, hey, can you serve me? Can you help me? 
I don't know if you've ever thought about that as a way of trying to connect no, with a person. Is that when you put yourself in a situation of them needing, of you needing them and asking for help, you establish a connection, connection. Yeah, yeah. with that person. That and it can, it's a connection of really humility because you're asking yourself to be served by them. It's like a cold call. How are you today? Yeah. yeah. And what we're going to see is by doing that, Jesus ultimately, I'll give away the end of the story, y'all, those the end story, by placing himself in the need of another, he's going to ultimately show how that person needs him. The greater need is a relationship with him. But he does that by, first of all, placing himself as a person in need of another. So if you're always, if you're wondering, how do I connect with a person? that I haven't been able to connect to before, maybe go, hey, I could use your help with this. Can you help me with this? You know, someone has a gift or something. Hey, can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? You create this connection that opens that opportunity to maybe have that conversation go somewhere. And so yesterday at, sounds sort of obvious at first, but it wasn't as we'll see if we go, but yesterday with Marcia and I, what do we do? We go sit down at the lumber yard, sit down at a table, and how are we placing ourselves in need of another in that situation? We need a waitress. Server. That's right. We have a server. So we have a person that comes up to us, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm, they're here to serve us and asking us what we need, right? And they're there to do that. So did you ask them to introduce Christ to you? Hold on. <laughs> That's where we get to go as we go this, because as this whole thing unfolds, I'm going, this is a Samaritan woman. But it wasn't me. We'll, we'll find out. I'll just keep going. I won't give it all away. But it's just interesting walking through here, and I went back and saw what God did yesterday. And I go, and I read this, and I go, wow. Yeah. Jesus is awesome. <laughs> sure. So, anyway, just going on. So, give me a drink, for his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. And then the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So, what is Jesus doing here? I think it goes what you just said. He's doing what? Broke down the cultural barrier. Breaking down the barrier. And At the know, time, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They just don't. And especially a man and a woman. Yeah, especially That's drinking, one. Yeah, especially yeah. drinking from their bottle or their water. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I pick up a sense of um, because again it's noon. Uh huh. It, it would be very it obvious is. again that she's shunned from other women. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. She's probably a little, little more, you know, showing a little more wear and tear than the typical woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Feisty. Uh, maybe. Just. I don't, yes. And so there's a little bit of a, you know. That false pride that's coming out going, oh, what makes you think you can ask me for all just because I look like a a cheap prostitute or something? Right? (laughs) Tell me what that, I mean, you know what I'm saying. So there's a little bit of a, that's cool. Like, you almost like, I want to elevate that in you so I can bring it that much further down. The NIV says it pretty good. It goes, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's, so what can we do with that today, I wonder? I mean, how could we, what would we, 
Can you think of any examples of how we would be doing that to someone today where we could? A homeless person. We could counter them all at home. Mm-hmm. Go up and ask them for some help with something. And the response is you just... <laughs> yeah, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> and they would open up yeah. as a result yeah. of being with you giving them the opportunity to help mm-hmm. with something. Mm-hmm. Respect, you know, for them and their abilities. Mm-hmm. Can you guys think of any other ways you could do that? My wife was in the dentist office today, uh-huh. and as she was walking out, um, she had a conversation with this man, and she knows who he is, and having a homeless. Um, he was telling her that uh, six of his friends and this one homeless person graduated from Laguna Beach High School. And this one guy is homeless. And uh, he's disabled, mentally disabled. And so they have taken it upon themselves to manage his finances because the money he gets from the state, he'd blow in one day if he didn't have that. So they have offered their support to him. That word has spread throughout the um, homeless community. And guess what they found? There was one homeless guy that was taking all this money from all the other homeless people. Mm-hmm. And he was managing all their money, but he was pocketing 80%. Figures. And this is not insignificant dollars. This is 30000 a month. Wow. What? Wow. Yeah, this guy gets $6,200 from the state every oh. month. So I'm sure some of the others get something pretty Figures similar to that. So wow. if he's managing five guys, that's $30,000. And so they put an end to that, and they, as a consequence, they took some other people into the fold. Wow. Those are the kind of guys that, like Jesus, he he took them into the fold. I mean, they're unacceptable people, they're hopeless. A lot of mentally ill people, probably. Yeah. I thought that was an amazing story. Wow. It started with them knowing them in high school. Right. Mm. So they they got the, they uh, had his trust. Wow, that's yeah. that is cool. Yeah. All right, so keep reading. It says so. Wait, so great. Uh-huh. You're asking about like what can you do? To, like right. I feel like one that that's really easy is just like if you see someone doing an activity or like around a neighborhood, like yeah, like what, what's there to do around here? Like, what do you recommend about this? I don't know. Like, I've, oh, okay. Like I, I I always hang like I hang out by the, I go to the beach at least like once a day or whatever. So like I've definitely talked to like people surfing or whatever or playing volleyball. Like hey, like. Some about like how, how do you do that surf? Like, like, what, very, like, like what type of board is that? Like, what do you recommend for like if someone's better? I mean, someone I'm always just asking them like, um, not necessarily with this intent, but I'm always asking people like how yeah. to get to where they are and whatever. But when you're doing that, all of a sudden they just people engage with you. Totally, it's like wow, you you care about what I think. Totally, you you want to remind me that about two years ago or three That's years ago, job. Jeff was leading us. We had a homeless guy here mm-hmm. on Wednesday That's nights. Exactly. Name, but he yeah. came based on what you said. I guess somebody offered him says, you know about this, and so we started coming. Yeah. Alright, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so, so then we have Jesus answered her, um, if you knew the gift of God, who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So what, 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 what is Jesus doing here? Think about 
Well, she's hearing this. What do you? What would your response be? She's hearing this, right? All of a sudden, it's like if you knew the gift of God, who is it saying to you, "Give me a drink"? You would have asked, and He would have given you living water. She's she's then obviously turning it into. Well, you don't have a cup. Well, where are you going to get it? Mm-hmm. This living water, Mister Big Shot. <laughs> so part of what well. Part of what's going on, I think, a little bit going on here is, is Jesus is saying something that causes her to, like, get curious. Like, what are you talking about? You know, sort of, like, engaging her back, but sort of, like, I, I get this, I get the sense, like, he's sort of, uh, what I would say, making her in, not balanced, how's that? Causing yeah. you to yeah, it's like get some, off there's some a little playful bit. banter that right. he, he already, making he knows what the outcome is going to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost Jesus saying, like, if she knew right away that he's Jesus and God, she her first response would have been, can I get you a drink? May I serve you? Mm-hmm. It would have been just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday with Marcia, so we were sitting there talking, and the waiter comes up, and this is at the very beginning, and he's a young guy, probably, I guess, like his 20s or something, and Marcia goes, looks at him and goes, wow, you, you just have like a glow about you. You just, something about you just shines. So Marcia's saying this to this young guy. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> well, I didn't even think it was going to go anywhere. I didn't, didn't even think about it. But I was just listening to her, first, her doing this, and I'm going, you're... It was interesting, the way he responded, because she's noticing something about him, and he, you could tell all of a sudden he felt very uncomfortable. He's like, it's a compliment, but why are you saying this to me, you know? And you could just tell he was sort of like, like didn't know caught what to do guard. with it. Caught off guard. He just didn't know what to do about well, it. She, you know? she was not respecting his boundaries. Well, what? You, no, I, I really hope. mean that. I think yeah. people who do that kind of thing, I mean, you're, you're being served by a waiter, and somebody says something extremely personal. Oh, you have a glow about you. You know, you're really special. It's like the person that's hearing that's going, whoa, wait a minute. Come on, I'm just here to give you your, take your order. Okay? You know? And it's, it's, a, it's breaking boundaries that are normal in human discourse. So it, it, you're it saying, okay, great, that works. I'm not saying I mean, it works for anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, no, I'm he just might have thought up. that she was hitting on At this point, I'm no, saying, I'm saying there's a Well, and I wouldn't, well, I and you might, but it's, I guess it's just. Heart. The other risk is that, you know, when you say something like that, if you're, the, if, in her case, the receiver is thinking, whoa, this gal's weird. Yeah. And we all have boundaries. We right. all have a spatial. Yeah. And it probably was. I mean, I would say that, in fact, I would say that's how I was taking it myself. <laughs> yeah. A little bit like, that's a little odd, you saying that or whatever, but I'm like, okay, you know, Marcia's... Marcia. <laughs> Marcia's Marcia. Marcia. You're just reading the menu, right? <laughs> right. And, he, and he's like, this is going to be a big problem. And I'll be blunt, I was in this, as this whole thing starts to unfold, because I don't think anybody knew where I was going to go at this point, I was just sort of like, okay, you know, I'm sort of like, okay, Marcia's Marcia. She will do that. She just sort of like does. She sort of breaks those boundaries and causes people to feel uncomfortable. And he, you know, he wasn't, didn't seem... Um, he wanted a tip. <laughs> yeah. He, he stayed. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. We're, we're, yeah. All, we're all on the edge. What's the rest no. of the story? Right. All right. right. Well, 
Well, right, so to go through here. So the thing here is, I just want to point out, you see Jesus doing this a little bit here. He's throwing people off. So it's a way to take yeah. people off balance. And all of a sudden, he's saying something that to her, she goes, this doesn't make sense. I've heard you guys share with different stories about, you know, um, sharing your faith with others. There's a point where you may want to say something authentically, where you say something that just sort of causes the person to go, I, I, Taking this off the top of my head, it's even the story that you told. I mean, if you to the lady, you you know, if you you could have said something. Well, yeah, there are, yeah, yeah, Christianity is a, a myth, just like the other ones. But you know what? It's the only true myth. I'm making something up right now, but it's a way to just cause people to go. Because watch what happens here. Whatever Jesus says causes what? So you know you're effective at it, because what the woman does here, the Samaritan woman, is she goes. The woman says to him, "Sir." You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is too deep. Where do you get that living water? So you see how he's engaged this woman now into her asking him. It started putting him in sort of control of the conversation. He now throws her off, but you know it's good in the sense that she comes back around and says, What are you talking about? Had he already told her he was a Messiah? No. 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 And that's the point. It's coming. He hasn't done any of this yet. Okay. He's just starting to have this conversation. So it's it's just, again, some ways, and I was listening, actually listening to someone about how the Samaritan woman really shows us a bunch of different ways to help us with how do we share our faith. Um, and this is one is you throw people off a little bit. And then if you do it effectively, they're going to ask you, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, so it's just another way of saying, how do I engage someone? Yeah. To the value here is... Samaritan woman and a Jew first. Yep. And the second thing is, um, is um, he tells her about her past. Right, which we're going to get to, yeah. exactly. So those two things, well, who is this guy? Well, the very first thing is literally him even being there and asking her for a drink. Well, I think it's more than that. Is it just him being in Samaria? Because he goes to Samaria, because he knows, because he can bypass Samaria, right. like the Dujans did. They went right. around Samaria. They didn't go through Samaria. Right. But he went through every time he went back and forth, because he yeah. knew that. Yes, like my daughter would have to do school, and she would have to walk through the Tenderloin to go to school. You know, here's this white, people, <laughs> this white, young girl having to walk in pitch black, walking from her apartment in San Francisco to where she went to school in San Francisco, which is just like, because of school, it was an um, academy of arts, so it was all thrown through San Francisco. She had to literally walk through the Tenderloin. Greg, I think um, you're going to have to cut to the chase here. Why? I'm not going to cut to the chase. No. <laughs> Be patient. All right. So. I think it's important that <clears throat> when he said, if you knew, it's like, I'm letting you in on a secret. Yeah. And that would get her attention. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes on, he says, are you greater than... So it's really just us reviewing, walking through. Okay. Anyway, I hope that I had... So she says, where do you get that living water? And then, are you greater than our father Jacob? So you notice how she asks a bunch of questions. Then he says, he gave us... He, um, he gave us a well to drink from himself and and did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I would give him would never be thirsty again. The water that I would give him will become in him a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or or have to come here to draw water. So you just see this engagement that Jesus is doing, going back and forth with the woman. Then we get to like what, what I think someone was, what you guys were just saying. So then Jesus says to her, go call your husband. All right. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. <laughs> what you have said is true. Okay, now think for a moment. This gets a little bit like what Tom said. Here's, like, you talk about truth bombs, okay? When you talk about throwing truth bombs. Here's where Jesus is now touching her personally, saying something to her about herself, which I do think we can probably, you can pick up with a person and something where you can say something where maybe you get them personally. You know, you connect with them, but you're connecting with them on some level personally, that sort of maybe gets them to go, hmm, something's going on with me. Um, I don't know how we do that, but I'm just saying that's that's an example of that. Um, well, she knew the Messiah was coming. Right. And she probably knew the characteristics of the Messiah, that he loved everybody. Mm-hmm. So he demonstrated that with drinking the water. Mm-hmm. The second thing, he knows all, he demonstrated that to telling her about her husbands. Yeah. So she's convinced. Yeah. I think she says, are you a prophet at that point? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we, we start to happen. So what ends up happening? So the, notice, though, what the woman does. She drops her arm and heads back. Well, yeah, well, notice, so Jesus is now saying, saying some truth about her. So I guess that's what I'm getting at. Jesus is telling her something about herself personally. All right. What does she try to do at this point? I say she tries to avoid that question. Notice how she does not address it herself. She just said, well, yeah, I have five husbands, or I have whatever. She just says, but Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman says to her, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Completely tries to change the conversation. Takes it... A different way. That's not even addressing her personal issue. He says, hey, I think you're a prophet. She's admitting he's right. 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 And sort of turns a conversation. I think Um, it surprised her. I do. I really do. I think she all of a sudden, it just like, probably got this like, almost a little bit of fear in there. Whoa. Right. How did he know this? How how does this man know what I, about that? Yeah. 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 Well, anytime somebody's... A new awareness. Back to where Tom was. Right. Um, being inside your space or not respecting somebody's distance. Um, this isn't just people. All animals do this. They ever, all animals in the world mm-hmm. have a spatial space. relationship right. between them and a variety of things. <clears throat> and for us, that can vary a lot. If you go to a basketball game, you expect to sit next to each other on the bleachers. Mm-hmm. But if 
your strangers to strangers. To strangers, right? but if you're sitting at the beach, yeah, or and somebody <laughs> comes down, if you're sitting on the beach and you've got the whole beach to sit on, and the person comes and puts their towel right next to your towel and then sits down, you go. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you don't even have to say that. You can, right, yeah. you can talk about anything. And this and, is one of the things I used to have my kids, my students do. Uh, Go through this whole thing and talking about spatial relationships. Walk out of the classroom, walk down the hall, and find another student. And you walk on one side, and your partner walk on the other side of the person. And just watch what happens. Yeah, right. They either speed up or they slow down or they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I think it's a good, but it's a good but that's point. That's what here he's doing. Yeah, he's forcing you see her. that he's invading that space we're yes. talking about, yeah. and that causes the person to very possibly will get defensive. Yeah. Um, but it means you're connecting. Not possibly. Yeah. Always. <laughs> we'll get defensive. They always get defensive. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Just, but, I mean, when yeah. you saying that, I never thought about this. Like, what happens if someone came up and sat at our table? I'm sitting there tied up our sea, and then we're having lunch, and some stranger comes up and sits next to us. Yeah. What would happen? I, says, mean, I want to tell you, you about. I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I think we're missing something here. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That basically staying in the truth is what's established his credibility. Good point. So I mean, the exchange was, I know. And I'm going to tell you that I know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. So all of a sudden, staying in his truth established that credibility with her. Yeah, good. Yeah, but she says, sir, I see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Mm-hmm. So again, she's using that, oh, Dude, this guy does know everything about me, and and I see you're a prophet, but and then she's 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 squeaking out trying to come up with another rebuttal and or another challenge idea. to him, and let's get off the topic of my five husbands. I think it's because she's right. uncomfortable, of course, right, right, and defensive. Yeah. So it goes on. Women believe me. The hour's coming. So then she says that. And then again, you see Jesus coming back and saying, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will you worship the Father." And then we get to what you were talking about last night, Jason. I mean, last week, Jason. I mean, this whole focus on you worship what you do not know; we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So this is where you do have, and I guess I get to what you said, Jason, what Chad said, I think what Tom said. This is where you're in a situation with somebody, you actually are now speaking the word. You're speaking the truth. Jesus is Lord. Whatever you, however you're saying it, you're saying, no, it's not a bunch of myths. This is the true myth. No, there is a bunch of different ways. Jesus is the way. But you see here, Jesus is now, in essence, saying a truth. This is the truth about what worship is. So it's not what you think it is. And he's now delivering that truth to her so, about so, that. So this is so fascinating to me because I, when I read the scripture, I, I'm a you know, very physically oriented human being, right? And, and those, that theory of relativity is something that's, that's 
is always in my, my mind. And whenever I read about Jesus' interactions with people, okay, so, what's up with you, Bill? You've just got this thing about you. Oh, this you've just got this glow. Okay, so, Jesus, do I, I mean, do we not believe that while he's speaking, he can increase or decrease his glow? And allowing that spirit to move through him. So in this conversation, suddenly he's upping well, he is up his, his, the amperage. Okay, so suddenly she's, it's not, it's going way beyond a conversation. And the spirit is starting to move into her to the point where it, that, that it's she going finally to... finally sees the light. Yeah. Well, literally, she might literally, literally right. and through his words. And but, I would also yeah. say, I don't know, I mean, I've done it. She sees the light. I'm not sure if she sees the light yet, but she, he's telling her the light. He's, he's shining the light on her. She's well, just she about running back to, to the village. Going, yes, oh, there's, there's, no, she's about ready to see it in a yeah, second. So. And, that, and, yeah. and that is, I can't think of where in scripture, but Dallas Willard talks about this all the time. Where in terms of the, um, it's one thing to to uh, proclaim your faith. It's another one to it's another to to truly believe it. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't happen except through the Spirit. The Abiding. Spirit. Spirit. Right. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. That intervention. Right. Right. So, notice he tells, he says this here about the truth. And then the woman says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is all, who is called Christ. All right. So she responds to that like, hey, I, I, yeah, I've heard about this Jesus. I, I know about something going on. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So what's interesting here, she's actually saying something which is true, too. So she's responding with truth back. And then you have this famous part right here. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. So you can see when she says, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Things you can and see are just like, like and then right. she just falls right into it. And this is where most people will say this at this point, this is Jesus fully revealing himself. Yeah. I mean he is literally saying Which is very rare. He is he's it actually is ego ami, ego ami, I am. And when they hear that, they know they go boom. Exodus chapter three. God reveals himself and says, Who are you? I am who I am, I, which is Yahweh. I am that so, I am. Yeah. And so Jesus here is literally saying here to her, the one you're talking about that's, when he comes, he would tell us all things. He's now literally saying, I am what he is literally saying. I am that person. Is this the first, time, this first time he did this? Uh, I think so here. That's a good question. I think this is the first time it, he does it again. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, regarding Abraham, where he actually says, it says, I am. Um, so he's fully revealing himself here. Uh, so what happened with Marcia, in the story going on here, is this waiter had been coming back and forth, serving us things. And a lot of it was just quiet and her and I were talking. And... So he comes back again. We're almost done with our meal. He comes back again, and she makes the same comment to him about, wow, you know, just sort of noticing him. And she didn't do it. I, I mean, I'm probably 
saying it in a way that sounds... She wasn't being like flirty. Anything. She wasn't being a pervert. She wasn't being flirty. She wasn't doing any of that. She was really trying to engage him and say something positive to him. And you could see that he was both uncomfortable but responding. And so she says the same thing to him again. And she... And I'm just sitting there going, hmm. And then she starts talking to him. And she starts, like, just sort of asking him questions. And then, then she says to him, she goes... She says, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Oh. Just very direct. And, you know, here's a waiter, too. You're in a restaurant, so you can imagine him being in a situation. And he's like, um, um, no, I don't. And, um, I, you know, he was, people sort of talked to me about that. And so... Marcia said a couple other things about Jesus. And then Marcia goes, uh, do you have a Bible? And he goes, you know what? Someone gave me a Bible a long time ago. It's just sitting right on my bed saying, but I have not opened it or read it. Maybe I should read it. Uh-huh. You got it. So he, she starts engaging him in this conversation. It actually is really pretty authentic and pretty, very natural. And I'm just sitting there just going... I honestly just going, okay, this is really interesting watching this whole thing unfold. I don't think I really reflected on it today until I was reading the Samaritan story. And so having this conversation, say, yeah, I really, should, you know, I, I probably really should. And you could tell you also sort of was low uncomfortable, almost like wanting to look at I need to get away and go serve other people. And he was sort of also being a little resistant. And then Marcia goes, what is your name? And you know what he answered? Jesus. Isaiah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Whoa. And when he answered Isaiah, he almost himself realized, like he got Click. like, yeah. Like, whoa, Isaiah in the Bible. Uh, and then uh, Marcia started telling him about Isaiah, about Isaiah. And that perfect. I started to engage at that point. I started to finally see if I would speak up at all. And started telling him about um, Isaiah. And you could tell his interest was just growing. He was very much like, wow, I, you know, this, like, he felt like, I do think he felt like he was encountering something that he didn't know what to do with. Um, I was starting to reflect on, wow, my name is Isaiah, and Isaiah being a prophet of Jesus, and, um, and so as this whole thing sort of went along, what ended up happening was Marcia, and again, I didn't even say anything, she didn't say anything about us going to a little church or pastor or anything like that, I didn't say anything like I was a pastor or anything like that, but it just came about shit, and Isaiah, and then Marcia goes, you know, there's a, there's a men's group that goes on Tuesday nights. Yes. Up at the church up here. And she says, you know, you, you, you should come to it. And then I told him that I was the pastor who would actually lead this. And so we, the conversation ended. Like, we're going to go. And I invite him and say, hey, if you're welcome, come sometime. So we went about another 15, 20 minutes. You know, we, we paid, gave him a tip. And as we were walking out, he actually came up to me. And said, what was the name of that church you go to? Mm. And what time is it? And where is it? 
Good for Marcia. So I, I know. And I'm just looking and I go, as much as all that thing seemed uncomfortable at first even to me, I looked and I goes, this is Same what she's technique. doing. She's actually revealing, she revealed Jesus to him. And said, this is who he is. Now, I don't know if he was going to come tonight or whether he wasn't. Is, it, you know? is there a bathroom that's open? Yeah, if you just go around. Yeah, the bathroom's locked. The men's bathroom is? Uh-huh. Oh. I, I, okay. I thought it was right always, here. huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to go. Thanks. All right. <laughs> you know, Greg, the plant, sometimes you plant a seed, and in this case, not only was it planted, it started to sprout, like, yeah. Right away. Yeah. The seed could have been the Bible that he received from whoever it was. Right. Yeah. It went all in right? And it was sitting on his, he said it was sitting on his So he didn't put it away. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't hide it in a cupboard, put it back in the closet. But he had it not picked it up and read it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, who knows what he did with it. Yeah. But then, Mercy just went ahead and sprinkled a little water on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just got that seed just growing a little bit. For him to be able to come to you as you're leaving, yeah, and it's made an impression on him that yeah. I've got to check into this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah. Greg, when did this happen? Yesterday. So are we expecting to see him on Sunday then, right? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, and well, you know what? But for me, I Hope feel so. myself sort of compelled out. I'd rather like see I'm going to go back to Lumberyard yeah. and, and see if he's there um, during lunch. I thought we were going to go there to lunch today and see. Um but I feel like we're sort of at that, you know, very much like what happened, a little bit like the Samaritan woman story yeah. here, yeah. where just watching how this happened, he threw her off, he connected with him, and and again, I will say, the way she said it to him, it wasn't, it wasn't, I probably came across like, oh, you know, you're glowing or whatever, but it was odd, a little odd, it was odd, but at the same time, it was like he was, he felt sort of like complimented in a way like, wow. It's a special encounter. Yeah, he felt like he felt mm-hmm. like he was special. So I was thinking, as we were just close here, my hope and prayer for him is what ends up happening at 39, because really Marcia is not obviously Jesus. She's bringing Jesus to him, but Ms. Marcia is being the testimony. That's what we all are. We're that testimony of bringing that to to others. And that's what it says in here. Many Samaritans, in verse 39, from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Yeah. Because the Samaritan went and bothered to tell someone else. And then it says, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with there two days. And then it says, and many more believed because of his word, the word of God being spread, and then one of my famous verses of all of John, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And that's ultimately where I go. That's what I want Isaiah to do, is him now go back and read that Bible for himself. Him now to encounter Jesus. He heard the woman's testimony, Marcia, but now go back and you the prayer that he will pick up that Bible and he will encounter Jesus himself. So he obviously revealed himself to those people too. Right, exactly. Did you do that? There's also documentation yes. on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta yes, go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a little different today, but I just thought I would just good. have us sort of walk through there again because there's a lot of stuff in this and I just go, wow, it really helps me as I'm reading this. And I got to see a sort of, in part, I think the lesson might be you know, that doing 
testimony and, the, and what you're talking about can be uncomfortable, and a lot of times it will be. Yeah, and you're taking a chance. Right. You're putting yourself out there. you got to be all handled. Yeah. yeah. And people are going to get defensive with you. Defensive mm-hmm. and right. who knows. Yeah. I, I did a podcast with a, a buddy who's a trainer in Texas. And he wanted to interview me about, you know, fitness over 50 and all this other stuff and blah, 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 health and wellness and, and uh, you know, um, and, and it was just, it was great. Because there's, there was nowhere to run, right? It was like, we were doing this podcast thing. So I, of course, anyway, I, I just let it rip. It's like, do you want to talk about being healthy? Okay. Talk about being healthy. Physical stuff's easy. But anything you try to do... When you're out of alignment with, with God, and when I say God, I mean Jesus Christ, mm. you can get yourself real fit and be eating well and everything else and lose all this weight and all that stuff, you're still not going to be helpful if you're, if you're, you're not in line with, with Jesus. Right. Not going to be spiritually healthy. Well, period. End, end of story. I mean, you're just, you're, your soul will not be doing what it's supposed to be doing. It won't be complete. And uh, it was it was great. We had it was like a two hour deal, and it just the, the whole it was unapologetic, and it just was fantastic. Awesome. And yeah, I don't know how many people he has following, but I think a fair amount. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how that yeah. that plays. Yeah. <laughs> we're all we're all going to we're all going to have our opportunities. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Will yeah. it be on YouTube? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully he'll air it and not edit it. Yeah. <laughs> it's five minutes long. It's good to be healthy. Beep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Can I share a super brief uh-huh. story? Absolutely. So we were like talking about, or, and this talks about the people who believed in Jesus because they heard from him themselves. Well, it, it reminded me of, I was at high school for, we call it Club Rock. It's basically like a meeting where myself and the pastor from Laguna Perez and a bunch of the kids just meet at lunch every other week. Yeah. It's like it's a student-led thing, and one of the kids in our youth group's leading it and doing like an excellent job with these conversations. And I don't even remember how it came up, but this one girl who I'd never seen there, she's a sophomore. Um, she starts sharing her testimony, and she goes, "Yeah, I didn't. I don't have Christian parents. Like I've never written, uh, read a Bible. I've never heard about Jesus. Um, besides like some very basic things from friends, but like I, I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. And one day I was like going through my phone." And it said, like, recommended app. She was, like, downloading some app. And the recommended app was the Bible app. And she's like, I feel like I need to download this one and read it. And so she's like, I read it, or I downloaded it. I started reading the New Testament. Because I guess when you download the Bible app, it, like, starts you somewhere in the next. Oh, uh uh-huh. She said that's where it started her. I think it does, actually. And I think she said, like, I don't remember exactly, but she either Google searched or, like, somehow found out, like, that's a good place to start reading. Mm Mm-hmm. I like, read it for, like, 30 minutes, and I realized this is true, and, and I believe in Jesus, and I've gone to, like, to church hence, and, yeah, I just, like, she's, like, I believe Jesus spoke to me through through this, through this Bible app. And, and, it's his and, word that you're talking about here, And he right? speaks to me through that. Wow. I just thought it was worth sharing. It's a pretty extreme <laughs> story, but, yeah, I mean, it was, like, a pretty, it totally reminded me of this, of, like, she heard from Jesus herself. Mm-hmm. Was it yeah. the you version app? Yeah, probably. That's what it was. It was. One of the kids like, "What happened?" She's like, "Oh, it's this one." That's a great one. It really is. Well, anyway, thanks you guys. Just um, okay. Yeah, Uh mom.
for like David, you brought up some things earlier, and I think this really resonated with me, and I, I kept these notes for myself because they're so important to me. <clears throat> In reality, virtue enables a person to protect and foster all that is best in their lives, both personal and professional. If we see virtue as simply the right way to live, no matter what the cost, then virtue becomes sacred. Virtue is the recognition of the sacred in daily life. Virtue enables us to live a unified life with the same values at home and at work, a life that is transparent and has nothing to hide. So as a Christian, virtue becomes something sacred. And when it's sacred, it becomes important to you and it becomes a bedrock for your conduct and the way you are. And the way I look at it is, is that a Christian is all about, like Dale said, real one. And you know automatically there's no real two that you have to worry about. And there's safety in that. And so it's a way to look at virtue as something your conduct then becomes something really sacred to yourself that needs to be protected. And when you protect it, then you can be in the sanctuary and you can abide. And other people realize that. They'll see it. Well, Father, thank you for this evening. Um, Just... um, Sharing, and I, I do right now pray for Isaiah. Um, pray that you will continue through your spirit to work on him, to bring him, maybe even tonight, Lord. Maybe he was thinking about coming here. I don't know. You're guiding this, Lord. And praying he opens up that word, that he encounters you, that he comes to faith, to saving faith in you in a relationship, and becomes one of these witnesses like the Samaritan woman. I just pray this week, Lord, that as we've talked about this, that we can be those men of integrity that walk out of here and we have the boldness and we have the courage to your spirit to speak your word. The world so needs you. Everyone we meet who does not know you so needs you. Helps to be those men in Christ who are your testimony to this world, Lord. Just guide us. Protect us, watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.